0: 3 verses 1 through 17. Glory to you. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? last You are as its teachers, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came came. From heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through him, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, <laughs> And now, may the words come out and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Our Lord and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Perhaps the central passage. Gospels. Because in it, within it, resides the best known Bible verse in Christendom. Which is what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What this passage just today is allows us to look at the passages around this verse so we can get a deeper understanding of what is taking place here. Uh, I should mention that um, I've said it before. Old age is catching up. Yesterday, I agreed to uh, go for a walk to this place I've never been with a group of people individuals. Friends, family, and uh, go all the way to Hamilton to a place called Chedoke or Chedoki. I don't know how to pronounce it. Park. We got there, parked the car, and somebody said, "Oh, the the, the, the path that we're going to walk is down at the bottom of the stairs." And as we approach the steps, they said it's 289 stairs. 289 steps. I still pretend to be young. I'll tell you what, going down wasn't too bad. And then we went for a trail a little ways and walked over some rocks and crossed a little creek and stayed there for a little while and came back. And by the time we came back, I was already kind of feeling the walk. And I'm a guy who uh, looks at the inside of a uh, gym and I get tired. <laughs> and uh, if I happen to step inside the door of the gym, sure then, my heart rate goes really high. I think mean, that's enough. I don't want to have a heart attack. Just the thought of exercising makes me tired. And so I leave. And here I am looking up at my I'm diabetic, I haven't eaten since early. Luckily, somebody there with me uh, offered me half an orange, that I happened to take. Started the path up the steps, and about 89 steps up, I was thinking, what? 200 more to go. (laughs) And then, uh, when I came in this morning, Shanta goes, what happened to you? You look like you're all broken up. (laughs) And I thought, boy, I hope it's not that obvious. Huh? But uh, if I fall over, it's because my legs have given way. You know they say in boxing uh, or in sports, if you don't have legs, you better not in- get the ring because your legs you know, uh, gonna. <laughs> and me, I have no legs. I have legs. Well, <laughs> what? So, if I fall over, just let me sit. <laughs> now, it open to John chapter three. Jesus is approached uh, by this leader of the Jewish nation uh, and he's of the Pharisee group of people. Pharisees were those who were believers of uh, of the, the, the Old Testament, the Torah, very strict, and the, the, the Jewish council was made up of 70 leaders. 70 leaders in the Jewish community. Of that group, there were more Sadducees in that group than there were Pharisees. Sadducees was another group of uh, Jewish leaders, but they were not hung up on too much of uh, teachings on life after death, nor were they believers of uh, believers of angels. Their, their understanding and belief was a little different than the Pharisees. But they had control of the Sanhedrin. But Nicodemus was a leader in this group. And he was a Pharisee. The portion of the Pharisees. But the Pharisees was a larger group of people. However, now he comes in to learn from Jesus when he comes at night. Why? Because the Pharisees were not supportive of the teaching or the ministry of Jesus Christ. He is afraid to be seen. He is afraid to be seen with Jesus. So he comes at night, and he begins to talk to Jesus, and he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. All he does was come and affirm to Jesus that he believed that he was born. And how does Jesus respond? Does he say, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. God did send me. Instead, the response he gets from Jesus is this. Verse 3, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. not back, but they were waiting for him to come back into the sanctuary. And when he comes back, there will be the beginning of the reign of Israel again. Israel will become powerful again, like they used to be powerful before. Why? Because God was always with them. And with God, they would always win every battle. But now, their history itself said, and Ezekiel testifies to it, that God had left The presence of God had left the tabernacle. So they're waiting for the kingdom. And Jesus knows the need and the hope of the Jewish people. And he says, nobody, you're a Pharisee, you're in the Sanhedrin, so your preoccupation is with what? The kingdom of God. Nobody, but Jesus now is talking now about this earthly kingdom because the Jews and the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the Jews, were preoccupied with what? The earthly, the temporal kingdom. And Jesus says, nobody can see the kingdom of God unless a man is born again. He said, what? What? How can a man be born again? And Jesus answers, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Pretty clear. What does that mean? You have to have a rebirth of water and spirit. Now, when a baby is born, and before the baby is born, what is the baby surrounded with? When the are waiting for a baby to be born, what are they waiting for? The water too? Water. surrounded by the water. Rebirth. You've got to be back into <clears throat> the birth, if you will. Surrounded by water. And be born again. That old self And the new self is born. I want to spend a little bit of time on this. That new birth is not only of water, but also of spirit. When we are born into this world from a mother, we're born only of the flesh, only of the water. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, what happened? He was baptized by water and then what happened? (laughs) The Spirit visibly descended on him. When we are baptized, the Spirit is brought down by God to us. Not visibly, but we are born by water and by Spirit. We become a new person. A new person is born. And Jesus says that is required. He says, because, verse 8, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. So the water takes care of the washing of your sins and your rebirth. But the spirit baptism transforms our heart, our mind, makes us new. It's a new birth. He says, verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. What? The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. What does that mean? We had a uh, major windstorm a few weeks ago, two of them actually. And we had power losses all over the place, am I right? People's uh, roof tiles blew over. Somebody I know on the side of that house blew away. And uh, that little car that I just got painted, uh, tiles came off of my roof and scratched up the car real nice. It's so got to go back for repainting. But did anybody see the wind? No. What did we see? We saw the results of oh, the wind. When I was a kid, and I'm talking like, a real little kid, I just looked at the wind. And I assumed that if the trees would stop moving, the wind would stop. I like thought, you know, in, in, uh, in India, it's very common for people to have those fans. So, of course, the movement of the fan makes the breeze. Well, I assumed Somehow the trees... do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Do you remember the story of the children of Israel in the desert, on their way to Canaan, what happened? It's in the Book of Numbers. They were angry at God. They were grumbling. They were unhappy. They were it says that they were uncomfortable. They liked the slavery of Egypt. Why are we here? Rather than appreciating God, now. Certain Bible translations said that God sent snakes to teach them a lesson. But the sending of the snakes, really, what it represents is they were under the protection of God in a wilderness that was infested with snakes. But just as the power of God was protecting them in the sunshine from the with, with, with the cloud, and at pillar of light. That same God was, was keeping them under His protection by keeping away the snakes. And when God wanted them to realize what happens without His protection, He withdrew His protection and allowed the snakes to do what they would naturally do. And the poisonous snakes began to come out and bite the people. People were dying of painful death. And they grumbled to Moses and Moses, please, I beg you, please tell God to take away these things. What did Moses do? God told Moses to make a great, big, tall post. And on top of the post, make the image of a snake in bronze. Make an image of, in bronze, make an image of a snake. And put it at a high place where people can see. Bible commentators tell us that because there were so many people there, there were like 3 million people, there was no place where everybody could see this snake, this bronze snake. But they in the direction where it was. But 3 million people, Toronto, great. Uh, The GTA is what, 2.6 million? That's more people than all the GTA, that means all those little areas combined. 3 million people in the wilderness. Moses takes this snake on a post, and he puts it there, and he said, all you have to do is look at the snake, or even look in the direction of the snake, because looking in the direction of the snake speaks volumes about the conversion of your heart. You're looking in that direction. You may not be able to see it, but it's there. And you will be healed. You will be healed. Now, at that time, there was symbology in everything. God could have said, uh, "Make a snake out of wood. Make a snake out of uh, copper, but bronze—why bronze? Bronze had a meaning." And bronze represented judgment. Judgment. And why snake? Where did the sin come from? In the Garden of Eden. Through which animal? The Bible tells us it came in the form of a Snake.
1: So the snake represented sin
0: on that post. And the bronze represented judgment. And both represented Jesus Christ on the cross. And that he would become sin for us. And he would pay the price of the judgment of the cross. So when people looked at that, there was symbology. And it was accepted by faith. It was by belief only. Let me ask you. Did Moses or God require the people to walk over to the pole? Did God require all the family to carry the person who was bitten to carry them over to the pole and touch it? What effort was required? Just believe. There may have been those. In other words, everybody is what the law says requires you and makes you accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now... A righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Get it? Righteousness does not come from working and trying to become righteous. The people didn't have to walk to that bowl and touch that snake. They believed and their faith was counted righteousness. That's Romans 3. Like God. God is so holy, so righteous, that even those angels who have never sinned down look upon God. And when Isaiah sees that, he recognizes how sinful he is. And they're standing before God. Nobody asks him, Isaiah, are you righteous? Isaiah, have you sinned? He can't help it, but he just voices and volunteers himself. Oh, woe is me. Compared to God, I am so simple. I am so simple. My lips are simple. And then what do the angels do? The angel goes and he picks up the coal from the altar of sacrifice. At the direction of God, how do you know it's the direction of God? Angels do nothing outside the direction of God. He picks up the coal and he puts it on the lips of Isaiah. Don't even wash their hands before they eat. And he says, don't worry about what goes in your body. What goes in your body is not unrighteous. What comes out of your body is unrighteous. What means what words that come out of your body, out of your mouth, are unrighteous. So the words that are coming out of Isaiah's lips represent his mind, his anger, his pride, his uh whatever sins we have in our in our thoughts what the ones says out of the fullness of the heart and the mouth speakers so the, the heart can be seen through what we're saying. Isaiah confesses that I'm a simple man, woe is me. I'm broken, I'm destroyed. He confesses his sin. And in that confession, he's made a new person. He's made a new person. He's now able to be accepted by God to represent Him. Nicodemus did not understand, and so Jesus and Jesus explains this to him that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Verse sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life." Whoever. Whoever. It doesn't say those people that have committed this sin and this sin, they're not included. It doesn't say the people that are born in this part of the world or whose ethnicity is from this uh, background, they're not included. Whoever. Everyone. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he does not believed the name of God's one and only Son. We have an invitation with Nicodemus to respond to the good news of the Gospel. Every religion in the world has a solution to the problem of death, eternal death. And every religion's solution is that you have to live a righteous life and follow certain rules. In the case of Nicodemus, he was preoccupied with rules. The Jewish people had so many laws, so many rules, They took one law, and they would expand it, and expand it, and expand it into details. Now, I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist family, a Seventh-day Adventist church, where the primary teaching... So as we were growing up, we'd have discussions. Oh, what can we do on Sabbath, and what can we not do on the Sabbath? And I remember as a little kid, we were in India, with a big compound with gates and uh, and, and, uh, fences, walls around it. And the church was in that compound. I had about eight, nine year old kid. This gate had a wheel on it. And I was on the end of the gate, swinging on the gate, back and forth. Somebody there got a hold of me, said, Come over here. Took me back to my dad. Your son was playing on the gate on the Sabbath. Like I got him The Jews were so preoccupied with the law. They took this one commandment from the Bible. And out of the one commandment, they wrote 24 chapters. 24 chapters on how to behave on the Sabbath. For example, they said on the Sabbath you can only walk a certain distance from your home away. And what this figured was, wherever the temple was, they would take the farthest home, whatever the distance is from your home to the temple, that's the only distance you can walk there and back. But then there were others who were so smart that they went and researched the definition of home was that place where you eat you get it? that place where you eat so jews that wanted to travel during the week they would take some bread and hide it in bushes somewhere where they know they hid it and take some more and hide it further so they could get to the bush and eat now that becomes their home but now they can travel another five kilometers get to the bush and they get trapped. All of this is found in a book called the Mishnah, which is the Jewish book of tradition. And the reason I tell you that is we can become preoccupied with do this, do this, do this, do this in order to be saved. There's nothing that you and I can do that would make be saved. Nothing. And Nicodemus was preoccupied with this way of thinking. And we can attain righteousness by how good we are. But that's hardly the good news. A good news in the Bible, the good news of Jesus Christ is this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is it talking about? It's not saying quit you your job and stay home on welfare. That's not what it's talking about. Those of you that are trying to earn your righteousness, you can't earn your righteousness. Accept Jesus Christ. And rest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the good news that we as Christians have to tell the world. Because every other religion teaches not the good news, but the bad news that is You've got to earn your righteousness. And nobody can figure out how to do it. We're preoccupied. We're trying to live a righteousness. May God grant me and you the love toward God and the love toward humanity. that we may share this good news With people around us. So they too enjoy in the salvation of the kingdom. Amen.